I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 84 of the McCovey Croncast, part of the McCovey Chronicles podcast channel. Just some housekeeping. Um, MCC Happy Hour and the Prospect Podcast have been on hiatus uh, temporarily, and we've been off for a couple of weeks. As I mentioned in the last Croncast, this is just something that I fit in to do. There's no set schedule. Happy Hour uh, has been down for a hiatus just because Sammy has put in so much work to do them as well. And the Prospect Podcast, if, if you didn't catch our last Prospects Podcast with Jason Panini, who scouts uh, the lower A levels of minor leagues, check that one out. And we said at the end of that one that we were going to wait until the end of the minor league season to sort of do a recap and look forward. Uh, so that will be coming in September. So that's your general reason for why these are... The release schedule has been a little bit staggered. Sammy Higgins of MCC Happy Hour and of the site will be joining me very soon. But in the meantime, I want to talk a couple of things. If you track the site, then you know that we get these uh, transaction posts up and sometimes they'll fit in two days worth of transactions. If you haven't caught on by now, the Giants are very nimble with their 40-man roster adding players who might have been designated for assignment, cut elsewhere, and claiming them, trying to basically claim and sneak them through uh, waivers and stash them in the organization. This happened recently with uh, um, with Ryan Dole, who the A's cut. Giants claimed him, tried to get him uh, through waivers by cutting him to add this other guy, this other reliever, Birch Smith. The Yankees claimed Dole. The Giants uh, still have Smith. They also grabbed Kyle Bearclaw, and then they cut him. I think they actually cut him to make room for Smith, uh, and then they uh, were able to get him through waivers. So it's there's going to be little moves like that. Uh, Farhan Zaidi has shown that you know after the 25th man on the active roster, 26 through 40, just as important. They're trying to get. If you're trying to understand what they're doing, they're trying to at any point in time be able to reach off the roster, the 40 man roster which is the roster that you can have uh, at any one time. Any man on the 40-man can be on the 25-man roster. And everyone on the 40-man roster is uh, makes the major league minimum at the least. Uh, so, And then there's other rules about options because the 26 through 40 guys are, are in the minor leagues. And if they're certain years of service time, then there's rules about can they accept minor assignments, that kind of thing. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to guess that you kind of have a pretty good idea of that stuff. So I won't get into it too much, and I won't try to ramble through it. Uh, so 
what we didn't put on the site yesterday was that uh, Abiadal Avellino, who was acquired from the from the Yankees for Andrew McCutcheon last year, he was called up and they designated for assignment Travis Bergen, who was their top rule five pick uh, in the offseason, like kind of one of Zaidi's not first big moves, but sort of like interesting finds. He was a very young pitcher who missed a year from surgery, but it was a left-handed reliever basically who didn't walk anybody and struck out a ton of players. Um, now they're designating for assignment because he has not been good. And they have a chance if the Blue Jays don't take him back to have him clear waivers and then outright him to AAA and then keep him in the in the organization. That probably won't happen. The Blue Jays will probably get him back because the Blue Jays are in the middle of a rebuild and they could use a guy like him. And in doing so, they'll get him back and they don't have to have follow the same rule five rules that the Giants did, which is keep him on the roster for the whole season. But he hasn't been very good, so maybe the Blue Jays don't want him. But in any case, uh, he's probably not. Let's So it's 50-50 chance Travis Bergen's not with the organization anymore. What's more interesting is it clears a, a spot on the 40-man roster, which they need because it was full as of Saturday night. They're, they're going to need somebody else, a position player. They had 14 pitchers on Saturday night. Uh, they had 13, obviously, once Avellino came up and Bergen went off the roster. And the 12-13 balance is a little tricky, especially if the 13 pitchers that you have and the 12 hitters are maybe not the best of both worlds. Do the Giants have the best 13 pitchers at their disposal at the moment? I'm not so sure. Do they have the 12 best hitters at their disposal right now? I don't think so. I think Alex Dickerson's oblique injury is a real problem. They're going to have to probably, if they're not going to suffer through, they're going to have to IL him very soon. Uh, If they suffer through it, then that means he's going to be taking up one of those 12 spots. So that's where it gets tricky. I'm talking about uh, down in AAA, they have Jalen Davis, whom they acquired for Sam Dyson. And he has been on a tear in Sacramento. He had three home runs on Saturday night and he had, or on Friday night he had two more on Saturday and he didn't play yesterday so there is a non-zero chance he's going to get that 40-man spot and he's going to be in Chicago when the Giants play the Cubs that's my guess um, I could be uh, wrong in terms of it being a guess because by the time this comes out the the move could have already been made but that's what it looks like it's going towards the Giants uh Calling up a 25-year-old outfielder who's killing AAA, that is not an unusual move. It seems like a necessary move at this point. And when you think about their lineup, their best hitters so far are all pretty much right-handed. If he can be another um, Austin Slater type with the offense, that would be better. Uh, Then you have an interesting mix mix and match situation between Yastrzemski, Dickerson, Slater, Uh, And Pilar, who's just going to play center field, I think Davis can play a little center field. uh, But that's kind of what they need. He has some power, and getting his feet wet and giving him an opportunity to see if he can stick, I think that could be what's next. I really have concerns about Dickerson's oblique injury, and I think that's why we might see something dramatic happening soon. Uh, so those are the those are the machination machinations of the roster that are just going to keep happening. And we're going to guess, uh, oh, what does this move mean? These moves are not happening in vacuums. They are moves to set up other moves. 
the exception being when they claim a guy if it's like a reliever if they claim somebody who's like a fringe guy on another roster it's because they're trying to just add him to see if they can sneak him through waivers to add to the organization a player they recently dfa'd which is important and we didn't talk about it because it happened since in between the time between croncast and that was joe panic was designated for assignment and uh, we didn't we should probably just have a moment to uh, go over that, reflect that. So in the line of giant second baseman, you know, you've got Jeff Kent, the century, it's basically, you know, you've got the line of Jeff Kent, Ray Durham, and then you go into Freddie Sanchez, and you go Marco Scudero, and you go Joe Panic. And if you look at the, at that lineage, if you want to call it that, where does Joe Panic fall on that spectrum? Well, offensively, he falls at the, at the very end. He's not one of the standout offensive players there. Although, when his first couple of years, his All-Star year especially, you might have believed the Giants, oh my gosh, they've struck gold again. And all that's really happened, uh, all that really happened once he came up was he was a good player. And so in the pantheon of 21st century second baseman for the San Francisco Giants, we know he's better than Dan Ugla. You know, he's up there. (laughs) He, He exceeds that point. In ter- he's won a ring so in terms of that champion trifecta of Sanchez now you're dealing with the Sanchez and Scudero and Panic as those three and I think there is something special about the fact that the Giants every year every one of those rings they, they had a new se- second baseman what I mean is I think that's an interesting part of the story um, is that sort of you can have these different heroes but at the same position, I mean, Freddie Sanchez's four doubles in the World Series game, his defensive plays, his defensive play in game one. I mean, that was a standout. It was sort of an emotion turning uh, situation he had with that catch. Uh, Scudero's performance in the 2012 uh, NLCS is is almost self-evident. And it was supernatural and it was amazing. And Joe Panic, if all he gets boiled down to is the diving double play save, then so be it, you know, but I think it's been pointed out, you know, he had a big home run against Adam Wainwright in that NLCS. And I would say just by virtue of being steady and being there, that was important because, you know, you lose Marco Scudero and you're like, well, now what? And, and he was there now what? And he was quite, quite a now what? And I'm pretty sure in the history of giant second baseman, he's going to be remembered for a long time. I'd like to think so. It's not always about the final the final stat line in in these cases, especially once you've won something. What does it matter what someone's OPS plus was if he's part of the championship team? I cannot remember everyone's OPS plus from from the 2002 team uh, or even the 2010 team, uh, but I do remember that Edgar Edgar Renteria, despite having not a great year, he hit that big home run that got the Giants their first World Series in San Francisco. So these things. They matter. The big stuff matters. And I'm, I'm good with that. And Joe Panic, I think when we think about him, we're going to have fond memories. We're going to smile. And it's going to be nice. And now he gets to play with his hometown team. And he gets to maybe make something special happen with the Mets. And we'll see from there. Maybe he can turn it around. And speaking of turning things around, I mean, we got to look at the Giants past week. They went 4-2. and two. Uh, We didn't have a Croncast for what was one of the craziest games uh, of the year. And that's saying something because... That the big comeback in Cincinnati, you know, anytime they play the Dodgers, something weird can potentially happen. But they had that crazy game against the Phillies where, you know, you've got Will Smith getting a hit after blowing 
quote-unquote blowing a save. Um, it's on a Sunday night game where the Giants are traditionally kind of embarrassed, or if they're not being embarrassing, they're something just weird happens, and they were doing the weird things to the Phillies. Uh, so, but over, so that was actually made it a five and two week. The two losses they split that uh, first part of the Bay Bridge series, and then they lost yesterday uh, the fourth game of the four game series in Arizona, their last game in Arizona. Um, it's kind of weird to be thinking about this. We're seeing a lot of goodbyes now. The last time they've already played the Padres for the last time, they've already played our in Petco and uh, now Arizona in Arizona. And so Bochi's getting all these goodbyes. But mainly, the main thing is the, the Giants went into a funk. They're coming out of it again. Mike Yastrzemski has been uh, ridiculous. Like, we've written about him on the site more than than we ever had previously when he was still doing very well because I'm pretty sure <laughs> we were all the skeptical. You know, we didn't know what we were looking at here. And uh, and and then at some point he gets, once he crossed that 10 home run threshold, and I think once he got to the 12 home runs, you know, I started noticing players turning, you know, not turning their backs. Uh, I started to notice he was driving the ball to left field. You guys all probably noticed this too, but to the point that I was sort of going like, he's doing it consistently. He's driving the ball to left field. If left left field is the Oracle Park power alley, and like no giants are taking advantage of it or seem to have the strength to do that, and he has both the strength and the bat speed and, and, and the swing design, that uppercut swing to get the ball out there. So... He's been doing very well, and then he goes in Arizona where it's it's much easier to hit home runs, and he's done very well there. Um, he's not turned anything around. He's been remarkably consistent this whole year. He has been a find, and we will see what happens once the league really does adjust to him. We'll see what happens if the Giants don't call up Jalen Davis or if they do call up Jalen Davis or whatever, and it leads to him facing potentially more left-handed pitching. That could be possible. We'll see what happens, but for now, just encapsulating in this 70-some-odd game run that he's been in, you know, this is... We're in the Chris Taylor, Max Muncy level of conversation. There is a stat I tweeted out the other day. Since he was called up, he has... He's tied for the most home runs in baseball since his call-up. I can't remember the rest of the people on the name, but he's, he's called up on May 27th. He has 16 home runs. And someone else has 16 home runs, but they're at the top of that list. That's impressive. And I say that because the Giants have not had anyone lead home runs for lead in home runs for seemingly any length of time. So even if you want to discount that the ball is juiced, that it's a small sample size, that the league still has to adjust to him and figure him out, you can do that if you want. But how often have the Giants, even in these, in those, under those very specific conditions, narrowing, discounting conditions, have they even rose to the top? So yes, the Giants have had potentially a flukish performance, but at the same time, he is also doing what we had hoped when Farhan Zaidi took over, which is being a player, a uh, diamond in the rough, being a player that was kind of found and turned into something and something that the Giants desperately needed, which was a power outfield threat. And they have not had that in a while. And somehow... They now have a stable outfield. It hasn't all been about the outfield. Uh, it's been about sort of everybody contributing offensively, and it's been just enough pitching. I'm not sure if the departure of, uh, of Dyson and Melanson alone would explain why the bullpen has sort of unraveled 
Will Smith is, it feels more like Smith has hit a wall, Tony Watson has hit a wall, uh, that you're just seeing guys whose workloads and stress levels have kind of come to a head in August. That's what usually happens in August is that people just get tired and it's about getting over a hump and just getting through it to get into the last month of the season. You know, the adrenaline of the season, post-All-Star break, post-trade deadline, and now you just start back into that rigmarole. You're just in the middle. And then September is usually the mad dash. If you're a, a bad team, it's to get to the end of the season. That's what you're angling for. If you're anywhere near competition, then it's about trying to finish strong and maybe something good happens. If you're, yeah, And if you're one of those middle teams, it's kind of the same thing. Like, oh, we're on the cusp of 500. Let's aim for 500 or try to be better then. Um, those are the things that teams look for down the stretch, and it's something, it's a goal. It's the last month of the season. But you're in August, it's a little bit hotter. You know, you're, the road trips are a little bit more strenuous because you've got the bulk of four months of the season already on your bodies. Uh, so you don't have that adrenaline of it's almost over or I'm about to get into the postseason to kind of guide you. So I think what's important here is the Giants are hanging in there, playing well. Who knows what's going to happen when they go uh, when they go on this next road trip, when they finish off this road trip, Chicago has not been kind to them, and playing against the Cubs there is not, um, you know, on paper it's not a, a recipe for success. Then they have to face the A's. So these next five games, just as much as these last six games, are going to be crucial to see how September goes. I, I think going four and two against the A's and Diamondbacks this past week, and then also taking three or four from the Phillies the week before especially after starting the month one and six has been a very nice turnaround. Uh, and if they can get Logan Webb to keep doing what he was doing, I'm, I'm kind of glossing over that the Giants debuted their, their top pitching prospect and they didn't get a fine performance. They got a great performance from their top pitching prospect in a tough park at a tough time of the year. Uh, the ball was flying. And he went out there and he had a great fastball, great changeup, great slider, and he th- pitched with confidence. Uh, so Logan Webb, not coming out of nowhere, but certainly coming back from a big setback with the PED suspension earlier in the year, has been great. So going forward, he, his performance will be important. If Samarja can keep kind of giving the Giants the five innings, sometimes six, seven of decent starts, if Bumgarner, he didn't have a fantastic start on Sunday, but look, nine strikeouts and six innings and one play basically decided the volume of runs he allowed, which was Pilar's missed dive on Adam Jones' line out or liner in the first. You know, you'll take that. (laughs) If it comes down to one play, you know, that's not great if it doesn't always go for you, but he didn't pitch terribly. He just didn't pitch immaculately. Um, these are the things you want. You want pitchers who can keep you in the game. And Logan Webb joins a group of two. The Giants have two starters who could keep them in the game up to this point. Um, Johnny Cueto could come back in September. So that's what you're trying to do. Trying to get through these last two weeks of the month. And hopefully you have found, or st- found in the case of Logan Webb, or stabilized in the case of Tyler Beattie. I wrote about this last week on the site. I still think Tyler Beattie can be a quality major league pitcher. I agree that it's not set in stone that he's a starter. But for now, for this year, the Giants are trying to cast him, play him in the role of starter. That if they can straighten him out mentally, emotionally, if he can, 
I really think he can be that five-inning guy. Uh, maybe sometimes that six-inning guy. The stuff is there. He can play. I don't know what that means going forward. I'm just trying to get through this year, just like the Giants. And I have no control over what's going on, so it's just how I see things. And the idea of midstream, he's struggling. Let's just make him a reliever, a one-inning guy the rest of the year, doesn't quite strike me as being the best course of action. The Giants have plenty of one-inning guys right now. So if you've got a guy who can give you multiple innings, maybe you don't label him as a reliever, but you, in the back of your mind, constantly go... He's going to go through the order twice, and he's out of there. Then he is a four-inning guy, a three-inning guy. He's a reliever in, like, wink-wink, and but is a soft opener, essentially. He's got the stuff. It could work. That's all I'm saying. And you got to still get through Chicago. You still got to get through Oakland, and then we'll see where they are at the end of the month. It'll be really something if they end August at 68 and 68, like they did last year. Um, because it, it's it's kind of like a video game, you know. Up oh, here we are again. We're at the same point that we were last. We were last time. Am, am I going at the same point? Am I going to do something different, or is the same result going to happen? Uh, in order for the Giants to end the month sixty-eight and sixty-eight, they need to go five and six the rest of the way. And they have. Do they have eleven games left? Can I do my math? Five, seven, eight, nine, ten. They have ten games left. So. They can't end the month at 68 and 68. It will be very interesting to see how that goes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, uh, joining us now is the deputy editor for the McCovey Chronicles. You know her from MCC Happy Hour, Sammy Higgins. Thank you for joining me at the last moment. No problem. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. uh, So I explained at the top of the show that the happy hour is on hiatus for right now, which is fine. We need to save your your innings. We're actually back this week. We'll have Kenny Kelly of the site. That's great. Everyone should know Kenny from the recaps, but they probably don't know him from the comment section. I don't think he's a heavy commenter, but that's what we are going to be talking about right now. So I've asked Sammy to come on because uh, this past week uh, there was a guideline change in the community guidelines for the site and uh essentially uh there is no political discussion permitted in the comments with exceptions being if they're baseball related if there's some sort of blurring of lines that that is where it's permissible but essentially it's not to be used as a platform then to launch into everyone's political viewpoints about everything uh but sammy um was not consulted with the decision before it happened. And so I wanted to bring her in because uh, over the course of the week, a lot of people have reached out to me. Sammy was one of those people who uh, reached out and and sort of took some flack in the comments for no other reason than she was choosing to engage. And Sammy, I just want to give you a chance to hold my feet to the fire to talk about this because I know it wasn't a popular decision and you were very clear about you were joining that voice of dissent and I want to give you a platform to talk about it. I think ultimately um, the champagne threads on their own were like living on borrowed time. Um, 
it is a baseball blog and it is not owned by us. It is owned by SB Nation. And if they don't want those to be there, they won't be there. Um, I think it was kind of going pretty well over the years of, of it flying under the radar and people being very careful with like how it was named so that it didn't draw too much attention to what it was or what it was about. Um, I think that changed at some point and and then it wasn't flying under the radar anymore. And so um, it sucks because I know that it meant a lot to the community. Um, I know that a lot of people were very upset about the, the fact that it was gone. Um, but I mean, I feel like ultimately, like it was never really a right. It was kind of like we were getting away with it. And when I say we, I mean the community. Um, and so I can see, like, yeah, it sucks that it's gone, but um, it was never really guaranteed. Um, I think, and this is where I agree with like some of the, the people that are dissenting. Um, I, I can see, I can see the arguments both sides. I can see where you're coming from, and I can also see where the community is coming from. In that, it's kind of a fine line to walk in the standard comments of what's political and what isn't. And I've had trouble with that myself as a moderator this week. Um, so I, I do get that that sense of frustration from the community for sure. Yeah, I I mean I don't declare I don't think it's easy. I I have already noticed that it's more work for me. Um and I'm sure because I inherited well, I didn't what that's the wrong word. I basically adopted Grant's view of community moderation, which is can't someone else do it? And uh that wasn't the reason why I signed up for the job. It was part of the job description of course too, but there are already people there. Sammy, you are like one of the main people. And, you know, Ruben is in there as well. And other people just over time, there is a good sense of community moderation. But now I have basically imposed a, a guideline now that I have to enforce in in kind of an interpretive way. But I mean, it's kind of easy if there's political key terms in there don't use them like it's pretty like that's kind of what i mean just to give people a cheat of what's happening i am scrolling through and i'm reading all the comments now and i'm looking for if people are using political keywords especially if they're non sequiturs for whatever is going on um i mean yeah it's a baseball site uh it's why i came to the site in the first place was to commiserate about how miserable the giants are but I understand the comment that it's this is the San Francisco Giants. It's the Bay Area. It has a certain belief system, and a lot of things will come to offend those sensibilities at some point or another, especially in baseball, super conservative um, culture, essentially. And we see with a lot of players and their past comments on you know their social media and all that stuff. And how about just with the team, the people who own the team, who represent the team, that there's going to be a lot of political cross-firing well and it's it's inaccurate to describe the entire bay area and even san francisco as like even like leaning mostly one way because i kind of agree with that yeah, yeah. I, I think i agree with that um at the same time i mean i'm not stupid i can look around and i can see what's happening where conservative thinking becomes a mob mentality that tries to shut down other voices and before you know and so that's a way a way of doing that is to kind of do this whole no politics, stick to sports idea. I guess what I was getting at is if we want new people to join the community, the idea that 
it's already enough that you go to a thread about, oh, you know, Brandon Belt's exit velocity has dipped. And you looked in the comments and there's nothing but Warriors talk. You're like, am I in the right site? And then you compound that with, oh, what I had for lunch. And then you compound that with, can you believe what the president did today? Or look at these, you know, you know we're all going to die because of this or that. It starts to get a little well, complicated. And I wanted to step in there and say that there's a lot of people... Um, generously put, being willfully obtuse about the new guidelines and acting as though they can't talk about the Warriors anymore, can't talk about their lunch, can't talk about anything off topic. And that's just absolutely not true. And it is not what you said in your announcement. And I just think it's a little ingenuous. Uh, no, that's not the word. Ungenerous <laughs> is what I was trying to say. Um, is, is In terms of interpreting what you said, I think it's people just kind of lashing out but i don't think it's fair i mean it's like we're one of the even without the politics we're still one of the most lenient sites in terms of what you can and can't talk about um in my experience on other sb nation sites you can't say anything off topic or it gets hidden and you get warned and sometimes people get banned talking off topic like i'm not talking about politics i'm talking like another game another sport whatever like you can't do it so i think there's a fine line between saying you can't talk about politics and saying you can't talk about anything but Giants baseball. And we haven't gone that route. No, and I don't expect us to. There is another point that someone made that I do want to address, and I want uh, to just put it out there. Uh, One of the community members said, it doesn't sound like you stood up for that, uh, for the champagne room, essentially, to the higher ups. Um, and, And that is sort of an affront to certain segments of the community too. And to that, I said, you're right. I did not stand up for that. I didn't think that by that point in time that, uh, that that was the important fight to have. There have been things in the past that I've stood up for to not change about the community. I didn't have much of a say in the number of posts we do as an example, but I think they've wanted us to do different types of posts than what we normally do to try to um, inspire community content or like a a big one that they have is like a sort of like a pregame thread and then the game thread. And we don't do that. Uh, They they do certain thing. They ask us to do certain things that they think will help the community because it's been successful elsewhere. But I don't think everything that other sites do work for us. And with regard to the champagne room, it was essentially, uh, you have these fan post threads on here that you allow, you should not allow them. And because it creates this environment of political discussion on a sports site. And I think that the people who are upset at me for deciding to not say, well, that's what makes our community our community, I, I understand. I don't think it's what makes our community our community, but I'm happy to be to be on the wrong side of that because and I, I need to interject yeah. there in that those threads haven't existed that long. I think yeah. maybe four years tops. Well, I'm uh, when I say I'm happy about having something. No, I'm no, no. I'm just saying it from it. It's just like people can be mad about it, and I understand. No, but what my point is is that's not what makes our community because our community existed before those threads ever did. So. I, I get that people, they've grown to mean a lot to people, but I think that argument is just a little bit inaccurate. Um, we the, the community existed long before those threads did, so. And I don't want us to shy away from, I mean, my politics are pretty extreme too. I don't want 
<laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I have to bite my tongue a lot of the time too. And, you know, the idea that we wouldn't talk about anything if Larry Bear is in the news again for the same reason he was in the news before, which I personally think is not an impossibility. <laughs> you know, what am I, what are, the suggestion that we can't talk about it? You know, I could get off on my whole spiel here. There are people that would, that defend what the act is. I mean, it's pretty clear. And I don't know how to deal with that as a human being, that knowing that that's out there. But to every day litigate that thought or to have it out in the comments thread of, of, a base, of the baseball site that I manage does not sit well with me either. So I would rather we narrow it down to when it comes up and it's vital to the discussion of the site. That's why I've extended the, just to be clear, that's why I took the extra step because that was not something that SB Nation requested. And this was a request of our site, just in case it's not, it was not 100% clear because I know people did not read that post, but it was a request by SB Nation to get rid of the champagne rooms. I, Brian Murphy, extended it to the comments. So that's what happened. And I don't want us to shut down the avenue of if Larry Bear has another situation with his wife, if the, another shareholder of the Giants is involved in some imbroglio with uh, politics or whatever it is, uh, you know, I, if we're talking about Jackie Robinson, I don't want us to be narrow there. But I do want to avoid the situation of when it's Columbus Day, the thread devolves into like we know at this point, we know. Like we know what uh, what has happened to indigenous people. We know what's happened uh, w with imperialism and, uh, and and invasions and colonization. We got it. So not everything needs to be everything was sort of the thinking there. I don't see how that helps our site. That's my thing. And Sammy, you can rake me over the coals if you want. <laughs> well, I'll start by saying that it's so I mean, I think there's like a reading that is very ungenerous that some other writers um, that won't be named by me uh, did of what you said in that they like assumed that we weren't going to cover topics of sensitive nature or um, things related to the giants that might have political ties. Um, and I don't think that was what you were trying to say. It does seem like there is a segment of people who are taking it that way and they're like, acting like we're the New York Times and we need to be like holding truth or what is it, speaking truth to power. It's like we're, we're baseball blog, but you know, we're not going to not talk about those things when we need to. But I will argue with you in the sense that like, I feel like maybe <clears throat> there are some topics that aren't quite like political, like <sighs> there are certain topics I would say that aren't political in the sense of politics. Um, and like we're talking like news and current events that has nothing to do with politics as like a finite term of like politics, the political uh, people. Yeah, sorry, I'm having a hard time describing it. But do you know what I mean? Like, like historical things like you were talking about with holidays and stuff like that. I don't find that to be political. I think things have gotten politicized over the years. But I think that those are important arguments to have because there's not not the same group of everybody is involved every time that argument is had. And I get your point that not everything has to be everything. Um, but I, I don't I don't know that those, in my opinion, fall under the branch of politics. I think talking about the president and the Congress and the Senate and those kind of things and races, you know, like political races, that 
yes, very clearly is politics. I don't know how much like history and other current events and talking about things that are happening around the world. I don't know what, how much of that should fall under the umbrella of politics. We will find out, and I certainly am willing to revisit, revise, and just have egg on my, well, more egg on my face than I already do. So that's where we stand with that. Please voice your complaints in the comments section or continue to email me, whatever you need to do. But I wanted to have Sammy on because Sammy definitely uh, knows the temperature of the community and engages every day pretty much in the BP threads. Um, and now I'm just there moderating, but I, I don't engage. I have nothing interesting to say. If you read my stuff, you know that's the case. Uh, but I want to get to one interesting thing, Sammy, before you go, that's specifically strictly Giants related. And okay. it's one thing that uh, is a constant. It never goes away. So we can have this discussion <laughs> at any point in time. I want to know what you, if you've landed on like a one or two sentence idea, or if it's more fine, but have you landed on an idea why a not insignificant number of Giants fans, let's say 40%, which feels right. 40% of the fan base hates Brandon Belt. I I think it really does have to do with the fact that he's streaky because when he's really good, he's really good. And then he goes through the painful stretches, but it all averages out. And even when he's not like hitting for power for a little while, he's still doing good things. You know, he's still getting on base, getting his walks. But there's a certain group of the fans that just see the streakiness of, of like the home runs or the extra base hits. And it's like, oh, he's so good for like a week. And then he's terrible like the rest of the time. And I get it. They're not they're not putting a lot of thought into that. Um, but I get it, I guess. Uh, I, I don't agree. Strongly disagree. But I, I can see people making their mind up based on that because it is more noticeable when he's not hitting than when he is. Versus, say, Brandon Crawford? Yes, oddly enough, because I think, it's, I think it's twofold. I think it stems from people wanting more from him as a player than he ended up giving them. So it comes from people's overly high expectations of him from the start that has now shaped the way that they see him for his entire career. And so when he's hitting well, they're like, yeah, but, you know, he doesn't do it all the time. And then when he's not hitting well, they're like, see? As though a player could sustain six RBI a night, but, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Uh, all right. I think uh, that that seems about right. He has higher expectations than, say, Brandon Crawford. And I guess Buster Posey. And also Buster Posey has an MP MVP, so it kind of... And Brandon Crawford's a local boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's weird because that basically means he has been the best hitter on the team for you know, X number, since he's basically been up. Um, well, I would definitely say in the last three years. And that, um, it doesn't matter. I think that's the part that drives me nuts because it's it's that the other guys get their whole resume balanced against the last three years of their careers, which I think we can all agree Posey and Crawford are well in the twilight of theirs. And Brandon Crawford's certainly been in decline, and this year it's been an especially steep decline. Um, but like he doesn't get credit for what he's done because I think it is what you said. He, he's fallen up. Sh he's come up short of the expectations. So it's like he never accomplished anything. I think it really comes down to like the home run totals. I feel like if he'd had, if he was having like 25 home runs or something, you know, that was closer to what you see the other superstars in the, in the league doing, I think people might give him a little bit more, uh, a little bit more slack, but I think there are a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people that are very focused on home run numbers. 
I think they like to pick on him too because he looks he's he's vulnerable when he fails, and so they can like they can keyboard bully him, and it makes them feel powerful. Like here's a guy who's bigger and stronger than me, but he looks like a wimp when he strikes out. I don't strike out, and I don't look like that when I fail. Well, I think <laughs> I think that's also part of the the, the play the right way part of the fan base uh, or play the game the right way part of the fan base and that like, oh, well, he looks dejected and needs to hold his shoulders up and he needs to look strong. I got I saw a comment the other day about how um, it looked good on Saturday night that he swung through on his Grand Slam. And then it's like, oh, I wish he would do that every other time. And it's like. Dude, just hit a Grand Slam. What more do you want from him? <laughs> he has a Grand Slam and then two more RBI. He and you're still going to complain about his swing. Like, what? Come on. He can't catch a break. They actually won the game that he hit a Grand Slam and he couldn't Which even turn nice around that narrative. Change. Yes, very nice. Uh, well, thanks, Sammy. So MCC Happy Hour will be back. Uh, with uh, Kenny Kelly will be the guest. Check it out. Listen to the old episodes uh, Sammy does a great job. I don't know if I've like specifically singled you out, but let me do it for thousands of listeners and say, Sammy, fantastic job. You are single-handedly booing the McCovey Chronicles podcast channel, the network. You've saved the network. So <laughs> thank you for being our Simpsons, I guess. Um, and, uh, and, and you can find Sammy in the comments. If you ever come to the site and you want to figure out how to get involved in the community, she's a good person to ask. Thanks, Sammy. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. All right. We don't have a a set segment or questions for this part, so I'm just going to put out there what I would like to see happen this week. I would like to see Tony Watson get on track. We don't know what's wrong with him. He's saying there's nothing physically wrong with him. I wrote in the recap yesterday that I might believe that. He was throwing 95-mile-an-hour fastballs. He still had his changeup. He could still get batters to swing and miss he couldn't put him away though and he couldn't be consistent with this command so he was walking people i would say if he's not placed on the il that he's going to stick on the roster and he's going to get another chance probably in a blowout probably in chicago to get some batters out so i'm going to put out there a hope for the week and that is i hope that tony watson pitches a scoreless inning And I'm going to actually now bring back a prediction thread, which we used to do when this was a Fuller podcast with Doug and Sammy. And I'm going to predict that in for this week, the Giants are going to go. Well, hold on. First, I need to say this. I don't think I would have predicted the Giants went four and two this past week. I might have predicted three and three if I was being completely positive and honest at best three and three. So I'm going to try to be completely positive honest here they have two off days this week they have a weird friday off day before they finish out that bay bridge series i think the a's are going to keep the bay bridge series trophy and so i think there's something with the tiebreaker or whatever so i think there's going to be the one giants win there and one blowout win and i think the a's by virtue of scoring more runs will keep the stupid trophy which i don't actually care about now it comes down to Chicago. Are they going to win two out of three in Chicago? No, I don't think they're going to win two out of three in Chicago. But I don't think they're going to get swept. I think they're going to manage to win a game in Chicago. So that's two wins. And then we're looking at two and three to add on to their uh, three and one so far. So then you're at five and four for the road trip. If we had gone back to last week, last Monday, and said, 
okay, the Giants are about to go on a nine-game road trip, and they will go five and four. I think we would all take it. And for the naysayers who believe that the Giants shouldn't even be trying to stay in the playoff race, this is almost like a present to you because it will essentially land them no closer to being, like, they'll just be 500. So, (laughs) you know, everybody wins, though, I think in that case. The Giants are still kind of in it. The naysayers are appeased, and the Giants still have something to play for uh, as they head into the final week of August, which you could argue is a turning point. Turning point, turning point, turning point. We thought the Ryan Spielborg's game was the big turning point in 2009, which is now a decade ago. By the way, the 10-year anniversary of that is this week. If you care to relive that, something's wrong with you. But in any case, when that happened, we all thought, or I, I all thought, that the season was over. And yet, about a month later, they were still in it down the stretch. So you never know. You never know. And there's still about 30. There's going to be like 36 games to play, uh, 35 games left to play after this week. So who the heck knows? As long as they are playing okay, they have a shot. And guess what? That's all that matters. You just need a shot. You get in. I do wonder if you're listening uh, in the comments. Definitely let me know if you think a near miss on the playoffs uh, is a sign of a, success, of a successful season. I'm kind of hoping that the Giants can get to that 85 win mark and still finish three games out of the wild card. It seems to me that in doing so, they will have eliminated another team from the wild card race. That's fine. And 85 wins would be quite a surprise given everything that's happened in the offseason and everything that's happened so far this season. We will stay with you the whole way through. Uh, the next McCovey Croncast will come to you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to my guest, Sammy Higgins. You can check out our comments section. Uh, the BP threads are every morning on the site, and they are the main comment thread for the site until the game threads that night. Thanks for listening.